dealing with a lot of you know crap that I've been through and a lot of crap that people around me are going through, a lot of crap that I see groups of people go through, and people relate to it. So it's a little disheartening that so many people can relate to all the crap that's going on. You know, it means that there's just crap going on everywhere. And what's good about this life? I don't know. Oh no. So maybe it's just that. Maybe the beauty of life is actually getting through the struggle. And welcome back to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Travis got my brother Quentin with me in these trying pandemic quarantine social distancing times too man you're just throwing all the hot phrases in there dude I just want to get them all I want to get them all out uh, out of the way I thought I thought we decided that this was going to be a safe space it is dude we're not talking about the death count or anything like that well you know what look dude all you can do is say this just like Eddie Vedder just said, I'm still alive. That is true. You can say that. Just wake up every morning and remind yourself that. Yeah. I'm still alive. Could be worse. Could be worse. So that was Eddie Vedder uh, talking about just something that could be applicable to today's day and age. But Key, when was that, when was that uh, interview? Do you know the date when he was... That was either ninety one or ninety two. Okay, so he was being he was being interviewed about about ten about ten, which is the album we're talking about today. Yep. And he was just saying, "Man, there's just all this crap that happens to people. Crap here, crap there, crap everywhere." And people can find that people can relate with the lyrics in my songs, and that's kind of a bummer <laughs> that I'm finding out how many people actually you know are reaching out and telling me you know hey I can re- I relate to this song or this you know this song spoke to me and this and that. You know, he's saying it's kind of a bummer, but, you know, it's it's how you react to it and get through the struggles. That's what it's all about. Yeah, we had a very similar intro uh, interview clip for, for our corn episode where Jonathan Davis was talking about how the, the kids were, were, you know, able to really relate with his his lyrics and they would just, you know, come out and to the shows and have this sort of like release, you know. Yeah. Very therapeutic and all that good stuff. So there you go. Same, uh, just about the same time too. About that interview was probably early 90s with Jonathan Davis. So there you go. So anyway, we are we are taking our next stop here on the, uh, on the 90s rock, mostly grunge-esque rock music uh, uh, train route. I don't know. <laughs> bus stop well dude we got to be careful who we call grunge bands and who we don't well dude. we got quentin's talking about we got our we got our wrist slapped on twitter by a a diehard stone Temple pilots fan uh today actually yeah dude we got, we got spanked man we got spanked he said what the fuck is wrong with you guys calling stone Temple pilots grunge now, he didn't use those words. No, he did not. Uh, I'm but, paraphrasing, but he basically said, you guys are a couple of fucking bumbling <laughs> idiots, is, is what is what I read it as. That's, yeah. I mean, I think that all caps definitely helped. Yes. Uh, anyway, you can feel that passion, dude. Uh, yes. And you and know it, what? That's the thing. Like, if you are a diehard fan- Of any band that we talk about. Of any band that we talk about. Like, I'm surprised we haven't been getting more- Hate mail. Messages like this, dude. Yeah. So, basically, he was saying, you guys- don't, you know, Stone Temple Pilot was not, is not, never was a grunge band. Yeah. And obviously, I guarantee you that that same exact argument was had many times over back in the back in the 90s. And uh, as we've sort of mentioned, we didn't, uh, we weren't alive. Well, we were alive. We weren't, um, we weren't old enough, I guess, and musically conscious enough to know the significance of the grunge movement as it was happening. We were too young. Right. Uh, so, you know, when you come out of it on the other end now, or even in the 
maybe in the 2000s when we were starting to pay attention to music and stuff like that. Yeah, all of these bands just kind of got lumped into the grunge label. And you listen to Core, Stone Temple Pilots' first album, sounds like grunge to me. So, you know. Yeah. And plus, forgive my ignorance. You know, when we go into researching for an episode, you know, a lot of times we do end up thinking in terms of how people wrote about the band. Right. A lot of times I just end up whatever people are saying about the band that I'll end up referring to the band in that light just because, you know, I'm doing research and I'm not necessarily thinking about it from just how it sounds or, right. you know. What I like about this guy that we even mentioned his Twitter handle, his name is at Dan former. Um, what I like about him and what I appreciate about him is that he actually took the time to wrote to, to write to us. I, I appreciate that because that's who we want to hear from is the true fans who appreciate what we're doing, even if we don't always get it right. And he sort of is illustrating exactly what we were talking about, where back in the early nineties, when the grunge label, even as he, as he points out in one of his tweets that, you know, it was a label that, or a genre that record labels were eager to throw on things to, to push or sell an album. Right. Yeah. Just to say like, Hey, here's another band, just like Nirvana. Exactly. So, um, I'm guessing his name is Dan. Dan, uh, I'm guessing, was a was in it, right? Like as this was happening, probably in the camp of of the Cobain fans that we kind of mentioned, where they were there at the beginning. They have a true sense of what grunge is because they lived it and experienced it. So when bands like Bush came along and were calling themselves grunge. Yeah, I could see how you would be offended. So much so that 30 years later, you're using capital letters in a tweet to correct a couple of podcast hosts. That That's a true fan right there. Exactly. And you know what, dude? I'm going to, uh, I'll give him one more shout out because uh, at Dan Formert, dude, you're the reason why we started down this 90s alt rock uh, path. You're the one who uh, suggested we cover Gish. And I'm, I, that was, you know, it's a great episode. I'm, I'm, I really liked yeah. covering that stuff and diving into the history of them. That's all because of you, Dan. Exactly. So anyways. Yeah. So, it's a, you know, we, we, it might sound like we're, we're kind of being snarky here toward, toward you, but uh, it's all, all said with love, um, Dan. So keep listening. We appreciate it. Keep, keep interacting with us on Twitter. If you're somebody out there who, uh, who has issues with something we say or agree with us on something that we say, like what we talk about, uh, you can interact with us on Twitter or, uh, our handle is at no filler podcast. So there you go. Um, all right. So let's get into it here. Q we're talking about Pearl jam today. Yes. And I'd like to see Dan former tell us that Pearl jam is not a grunge band. Okay. <laughs> I mean, are they though? They're from Seattle. So apparently that's all the, Ooh, all the see now, dude, you're already getting, you're already starting, starting us down a bad path, bro. Are they not from Seattle? Well, Eddie Vedder, is from California, and he moved to Seattle. Okay, but the after- band is from Seattle, though. <laughs> All right, dude. I'm just, you know what? I'm just trying to cover <laughs> my Every ass. single member has to be born in Seattle as if, like... You know what I'm trying to cover? My ass, dude. Our asses? No, that's yeah. fine, dude. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> so Pearl Jam, uh, 10, came out in 91. Yes, this is their debut album. Debut album. So this is yeah. it, man. This is the year that grunge started. In, in, in uh, gosh, see now, now I'm fucking having to second guess everything I say <laughs> because I'm worried about Ad Dan Former. Hey, you know what, dude? I was gonna bring this up anyways. So two of the members of Pearl Jam, guitarist Stone Gossard, I probably didn't even say that name right, and bassist Jeff Ament. Maybe it's Ament. I don't fucking know. Ament. Ament. No, we're just we're all stuck in our head here. I know, man. dude. Fuck. He's like, you fucking idiot. Thanks, Dan. A mint. It's Gosard. So they used to play in Green River, the quote unquote first grunge band. Yeah, there you go. And dude, they they started playing in 84. So grunge goes way back. Yes, yes, yes. But 91 is is the year that. uh, Nevermind comes out. Yes. All that good stuff. So uh, 10 actually came out before Nevermind. Uh, it was released before Nevermind. But um, anyways, yeah. So 
those two guys, Stone and Jeff, they were in Green River. And then they went on to this band called Mother Love Bone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then their uh, their lead singer, Andrew Wood, died of a heroin overdose in 1990. So shortly after that, they decided that they, they wanted to continue making music together. So they, they started up a new band. Long story short, I'm not going to go into the history of how every single one of these guys got into Pearl Jam. But legend has it that so they were they were searching for a new vocalist for the band. Uh, at this point, they had McCready on there as well. Mike McCready is lead guitar, looking for a lead singer, and they had a four track demo tape with instrumental songs that they had been working on. The tape finds its way to Red Hot Chili Peppers' former drummer at the time, Jack Irons, who then hands it to Eddie Vedder. Vetter's down in San Diego. He's a surfer. That's like just what he's doing at the time. He hadn't slept in several days. And then to quote Vetter, he said, this, the sleep deprivation came into play. You get so sensitive that it feels like every nerve is directly exposed. I started dealing with a few things that I hadn't dealt with, and I had this music in my head at the same time. It was great music. It was bringing things out of me that hadn't been brought out. I was literally writing some of these words as I was going up against a wave or paddling. How did he keep his, like, paper from... <laughs> I don't know, dude. That's why I said legend has it. So apparently he hadn't slept in, uh, in several days. Still didn't sleep. Goes up, you know, the next morning he goes for a surf. And he had just listened to this four-track demo. And then he just pins all these lyrics down after several days of not sleeping. Uh, and sent his recordings to Seattle. They loved it. And he moved down to Seattle, like, a couple weeks later. He was probably like hallucinating since he was sleep deprived. He was yeah, like, dude, catching some fucking waves. He was, like, he was just in bed. Or something. <laughs> like the waves were like his sheets or his something. fucking sheets. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and before they were Pearl Jam, they were called Mookie Blaylock. Okay. Who is the, that's the name of an NBA player? He played for the New York Jets at the time. The only reason I bring that up, the name Tin or the number Tin for the album. That was Mookie Blaylock's jersey number. Okay. That's where that comes from. So they, had a, they had a whole theme. They were huge here. basketball fans. Huge basketball fans. Um, so I wanted to bring up Mookie Blaylock because, or Blaylock, because when I was, you know, looking into their history and everything, um, one of my favorite venues up here in Seattle is called uh, El Corazon. Uh, there's also like a tiny little sub venue called Funhouse. And it, used to be called Off-Ramp Cafe, because it's like right off the highway. Pearl Jam's very first gig, well, well, I'm sorry, Mookie Blaylock's first gig was at Funhouse. Wait, I thought he was a basketball player. No, oh, dude. Mookie Blaylock, the band. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> their, their first show was at Off-Ramp Cafe, which is, like I said, it's one of my favorite like punk venues i've gone there several times so did they put out so any, it's kind of cool demos or eps under that name or or no? uh i'm not sure dude not 100 on that i believe that all they had was a demo and those songs all eventually wound up on 10 but but eddie never sang when when they were blaylock no 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 eddie eddie vetter was in the band okay okay as as mookie blaylock yeah cool cool so that's that is where eddie vetter sang his first uh, did his first little ditty with the band. Yep. Anyways, guess who they opened for, dude? First gig at the Off-Ramp Cafe. Guess who they opened for? Pixies. Alice in Chains. Okay. Now yeah, it's all dude. making sense. Yeah, it's now all making sense. Yeah. So, do you know anything about the name Pearl Jam, where that came from? His grandmother's name is Pearl. Grandmother's name is Pearl, and she married a Native American... Who Man, had a jam? Not a, <laughs> had a special recipe for peyote laced jam. Ooh! So my guess is Vetter's probably had a had a spoonful or oh, two of, the, of that yeah, in, back in the day. Hell yeah! Yeah. So that's that's how they came up with the name Pearl Jam. Cool. I like that. So, anyways, that's I don't really want to talk too much history, you know. Yeah. Uh, let's just talk about let's talk about ten. So everyone knows the singles, even flow, alive. Jeremy. Jeremy, yep. I think there's one more single. Oceans. Oceans, yeah. Now, Q, as you know, as as you know, maybe others don't, 
We don't talk about the singles. We try to talk about the the more obscure tracks on a record. Right. So, um, you want to talk about the lyrics a little bit? A lot of the songs do talk about, like, personal demons. Um, so there's songs about uh, homelessness and, you know, just trying to break that cycle. Um, one of the songs we're going to cover, it's about uh, this girl that's getting, she's getting admitted to a, a psych ward. So, yeah, lots of dark stuff. And I could see how, like he's saying, it does kind of, it's kind of disheartening that a lot, so many people have been reaching out to me and saying that they find similarities in their own life. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a really dark. I album. mean, I think that that is one of the, one of the hallmarks of, of, of grunge, or at least rock music after the eighties, the when you, you, you know, you're, you're coming out of the, the decade of Van Halen and Bon Jovi and stuff like that. Right. Where they're just talking about, Girls, girls, girls. Riding on a fucking steel horse or whatever. Grunge is about being, you know, authentic, you know, down to what they wore. Yeah. And that's that's what I've always liked about grunge music. So speaking of authenticity, I feel like now I got a quote from from the the infamous Cobain, who was just ruthless to these yes. fucking bands, dude. Yes. yes. Uh, he was interviewed in 1992. And the guy asked him what he thought about Pearl Jam. And he says, uh, I have strong feelings towards Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and bands like that. They're obviously just corporate puppets that are just trying to jump on the alternative bandwagon. I mean, come on, dude. We are being lumped into that category. Those bands have been in the hairspray cock rock scene for years. And all of a sudden they stop washing their hair and start wearing flannel shirts. Doesn't make any sense to me. There are bands moving from L.A. and all over to Seattle and then claim they've lived there all their lives, so they get record deals. It really offends me. That's fine. Um, all right, Cobain. Cobain. But, like, <laughs> I mean, it, Pearl Jam, I, I, get, I bet you they were wearing flannel before Nevermind came out. Who fucking cares? Yeah, seriously. I mean, look, whatever. That's a whole other conversation. Like I've said before. But, look, I, you remember one of the things, the very first things we laughed at on this podcast on episode one was a picture of of Pantera, right in the in the eighties, and yeah, they did st- still look like a hair metal band, but that was that was it back in the eighties, you know. Yeah, look, I understand. I, I get where he's coming from with bands that are moving to Seattle just to just insert to themselves into the scene. Yeah, and he's calling out Vetter, I think, because Vetter is from San Diego. Yeah, I totally. But get dude, that. fucking Stone and Jeff, they were in Green River. So right. yeah, you exactly. can't get much more grunge than that. They were doing grunge before Cobain was doing grunge. Yeah. Anyways, dude, you want to jump into our first clip? Yeah, let's do it. Also, apologies if you can hear that. One of my fucking cats has got a little jingly ball and she's batting it around right outside. I'm sure you can hear it. Mama cat, she's on the hunt. She starts fucking meowing, dude. That's what she does. She bats this ball around then catches it and then has to announce to the whole goddamn house. That she got it. She's like, I got a fresh kill in I here. I fucking got it, guys. Dinner's on me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you want to play first? Are we going to do, let's do Why Go. Yes. Yes. This is, this is a good track.
Well, I didn't mean to play the whole song, but there you go. I love that song, dude. Yeah, no, great solo there in the middle. Yeah, that's just a straightforward, like, headbanger, man. Yeah. I, I love that song. And the lyrics are great, too. Yeah, um, like I said, this is this one's obviously about um, a girl that gets admitted to a psych ward. Some fucking dude with a clipboard and pen decided she she needed to be in this psych ward, yeah. and her and her mom agrees. Uh, I, yeah, I like the first line. She scratches a letter into a wall made of stone. Maybe someday another child won't feel as alone as she does. Yeah. So yeah, for you know, for the next sad person that gets thrown into this room she'll have something to read on the wall yeah with jeremy right arguably mm-hmm. you know one of their big 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 mega singles oh yeah it seems like he likes to write in third person about these troubled uh teenagers right yep like jeremy which yeah. you know is a story about a kid in texas uh i think he it's pretty pretty freaking close to to where we grow up. Um, let me look it up real quick. Richardson, Texas, man. Oh, right dude. down the road from me, dude. Yeah, man. Right before we, we moved up here to Seattle, that's where I was living in Richardson. There you go. Yeah, so, yeah, he walks into to a classroom and, and, and shoots himself in the head in front of 30 kids. And, and that was that happened in 91. So that was fresh, you know. Um, it, it tells you how, how topical eddie vetter's lyrics were right right so i wanted to play a clip from stone he and eddie were interviewed while on tour so i want to say their first uh, like nationwide tour they were opening for uh, red hot chili peppers so they were up in new york and they were interviewed and then the interviewer kind of asked him about the the background of the recording and all that so here's stone talking about 10. Uh, the record was actually, it was a very quick and very spontaneous kind of thing. I think um, we had almost all the material written within probably um, two separate times of Eddie coming up for about a week at a time. He came up for a week and we actually ended up recording about 10 songs and then came up a week later and, and we did another like probably 10 or so. And um, some of it was written musically as far as like arranged and stuff before and some of it was written spont- spontaneously like together as a jam and and some of it was written as a band uh, you know even uh, right before we went into the studio and uh, we basically made the record for, I guess it was three or four months after becoming a band so I think it's a very raw and very young signing record which is exactly where we were at that time I think that's kind of how this band wants to operate um, and not spend a lot of time thinking about what it would have been like if we had waited in the six months and you know hired studio musicians to come in and play our parts, but letting some of the rough edges show and and uh, just being honest with where we're at musically and like you know this is what this is what we did and, you know in the first six months that we were together. I love that man. I mean, yeah, that's that's again part of part of grunge, right? Is the honesty and showing the rough edges and stuff like that. Yeah, I like that too. And the reason I brought that up and wanted to play it, I read as well that the art direction, everything about this album, they all did themselves. Um, the album cover, that is all members of the band with their hands holding one another. You know, they're, they're, all their hands are up high, their arms are up high. They're all holding each other's hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, big letters Pearl Jam in the back. That's a woodcut that was made from Jeff, bass player. The original concept was about being together as a group and entering into the world of music as a true band, a sort of all-for-one deal. That's what Amin says. So they put it all together themselves and and went with the art director. You know, everything about the band is is just them, which is really cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Anyways, dude. As far as notes go, man, that's all I got. So let's just dive into some more tunes. Uh, hmm. What's next? Black. Very next track. So the very next track. Yeah. So I mean, I for the longest time thought this was a single because I I'm very familiar with this song. Um, going going back years. So I mean, I I really like this song quite a bit. Um, now did you actually dive into see what Discogs has to say? Because nine times out of ten, if you go to Discogs, you find out that the entire goddamn album was a single. Well, it wasn't an Seems official like. single. 
Okay. We'll, we'll Let, say that. Okay, cool. Before we play it, I just want to say one of the things I love about it, his his vocal delivery when he kind of, uh, I don't know how to phrase it, but there's something he does with his his vocals that that I've always been drawn to, um, and I th- it's just part of the part of the verse. But like you kind of hear him uh, drawing out this note. You'll see what I'm talking about. For fuck's sake, let's just play a verse, and then uh, there's a little bridge part that we can play as a second clip. Dude, everything about that man yeah it's just such an emotional song i love the guitar work throughout that verse yeah so um i'm very familiar with the song and i know we talk about how we like to play more obscure stuff but this is a very famous very well-known pearl jim song um and i thought that this was a single for the longest time because of my familiarity with it uh but according to uh to what i'm reading here they they refuse to make it into a single despite uh, pressure from Epic Records. And they're saying that one of the reasons they didn't want to make it a single was because it was too personal and they were afraid that the emotional weight of the song would be destroyed in a music video. Which I think it's funny because back then, every single had to have a music video. You know, I don't know if that's still the case today. I mean, it is for the major, major record labels and the major pop acts out there. But, I mean, shit, I mean... When you watch uh, Jeremy, you want to talk about emotional, the music video, and I think it's a great music video. They're talking about a kid who committed suicide in front of his classroom, and they did a great job with it. But yeah, uh, let's pick up, pick it up again here. I just, again, I, I love his his vocal delivery in the song. It's just so powerful. This is one of those songs that 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 uh, that gives me goosebumps. So, so here is clip two from Black.
What a what a beautiful song. <sighs> yeah, it's man. It's just so brutal. So emotional. Yeah, brutal. So obviously he's singing about like a relationship that that ended, you know, and he's yeah. sort of reflecting back and and saying like, how can this thing that brought me so much joy, like it's now it's just completely. Yeah, I like the line. You know, my bitter hands cradle broken glass of what was everything. Yeah. Like something that's the relationship, I guess. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, In the first verse, sheets of empty canvas, untouched sheets of clay were laid spread out before me as her body once did. So now he's laying in bed alone, looking back, you know, remembering when they used to share that bed together. And yeah, yeah, I I love the line, like you're saying in the bridge, that part always gets you. I know someday you'll have a beautiful life. I know you'll be a star in somebody else's sky. But why, why can't it be? mine i mean who hasn't had that thought cross your mind yeah, after dude. after a breakup right yeah like you know you you just you just acknowledge the fact that like oh you're this beautiful thing that i once had is it's going to be somebody else's someday you know yeah dude it's funny reading along with these lyrics while listening to the song because like they try to put his uh vocalizations in the lyrics oh yeah but if you don't know the song you're just reading it like Mm, mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh, ah, yeah. Ah, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But then you listen to the song, it's like, man, he fucking really sells that, that yeah. ooh, you know? Yeah, yeah. I do like how he uh, vocalizes along with the guitar solo that we faded out with this, the what ends the song. Yeah. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah, that melody that goes throughout the song, it, mm-hmm. it's done in a piano it's done with a guitar mm-hmm. and like you're saying he he sort of dubs himself over it and vocalizes it yeah over and with the guitar it's just a great song man and that's the funny thing that clip that you played where uh stone was saying oh yeah man we you know we banged this out in a couple sessions you know yeah and he's like we could have waited a few months and, and pulled in some session musicians to play our parts but we just wanted to keep it raw there's there are bands that will never write a song that good no. Ever. I mean, it's such a great song. Dude, and this is their debut effort, man. Right. As right, a band. Right. So I think it's funny that, and, and I don't know if that was, I mean, come on. They had to have known how how, how incredible these songs were. Yeah. You know? So they kind of try to play it off like, yeah, you know, it's showing some rough edges and stuff. And we just wanted to be honest with it, with, uh, you know, kind of where we were at musically. It's like where you're at musically is, is some of the best rock music ever written. Yeah. So it's kind of funny that they phrase it that way. There was a reader's poll that Rolling Stone released back in 2013 of um, 10 greatest debut albums of all time. Number one is 10. They made it number one on this on this reader's poll list. Now, what was on the poll, I wonder, like, what, what, what did they have to choose from, you know? So, or was it just enter in whatever you want? Uh, it says the Rolling Stone editors recently selected their list of the 100 best debut albums of all time. Uh, okay, and then they asked people to to vote on the top ten. So yeah, and then and then people chimed in and said, "Hey, I can't believe you left out this or that." Said it said we figured the best way to respond was to allow the readers to create their own list. Okay. Uh, so number ten, the Beatles, please please me, please please me. Yeah, yep, yep. Number nine, the Killers, Hot Fuss. Nirvana, Bleach is number eight. Then you've got the Jimi Hendrix Experience. The Strokes is the Sit is number six. Okay. The Doors, self-titled, number five. Uh, Van Halen, self-titled, number four. <laughs> Boston, self-titled, number three. <laughs> Zeppelin, self-titled. Zeppelin, self-titled, number two. And then Pearl Jam's 10 is tied with Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. Guns N' Roses, to be honest, I've never listened to anything but the singles. Same. So, and and the singles are, are so, you know... They're everywhere, right? I mean, yeah. dude, I can't sweet imagine. Child of there's, mine. there's people probably screaming at us right now. Yes, yes. There's more. There's more Dan Formers out there on Twitter, <laughs> ready to fucking rip us a new one. <laughs> um, especially when if we actually get around to talking about Guns and Roses. Oh, dude, it's gonna we, be filled we, we, with you know what? With fuck uppery. Here's the deal: uh, if we if we talk Guns and Roses or any of those bands from the '80s, we got to cover our asses by getting a guest on here to talk talk about it with us. So, anyways, yeah, Lo- many people point to this as, as one of the, one of the best debut records of all time. Yeah, and you can uh, you can totally see and, why, and you can see why. Yeah, yeah. So we got one more song to play, but before we jump into that, dude, I want to give 
a uh, shout out. Bill Withers passed away this past week. I read that. Yeah, dude. Um, I, I love, always loved Bill Withers, man. I mean, we lost him to the to the virus, man. Uh, heart complications. Okay, all right. Yeah, dude. Not everyone's dying from the virus, man. But um, yeah, Bill Withers, known for the songs like Lean On Me, Lovely Day, Just The Two Of Us. A lot of great songs that, you know, are just great for getting down to business. You know what I'm saying? How many babies have been made? How many babies have been to, made listening to Bill Withers? To Bill Withers, yeah. I mean, you that know, makes me think about adamandeve.com. Yeah. Well, dude, I was going to say, you know what song I always pop on of his anytime I want to... If you want to get down to clown? Yeah, if you want to get down to clown. What? I throw on Use Me, dude. Mm, okay. But, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes you need more than just a, uh, a good tune to get you in the mood, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, sometimes mm. you got to find something else to spice it up in the bedroom. Spice it up? Yeah, man. I know what you're talking about. Spice it up. You know what's even better than than, than a spicy new toy or, some, or something like that for the bedroom? A half-off spicy new toy. And free stuff for the bedroom. That's even better. And that's where Adam and Eve comes into play, dude. And right now we got the hookup for you, man. All right, Keith. So like I said, you can get almost any one item for 50% off. And then you can get loads of other free stuff, such as 10 tantalizing free gifts a sexy item for you a sexy item for your partner and a third item that you'll both enjoy and then what else do they get Q? we're not done yet with the free stuff you get six free spicy movies to help you get things going dude Mm. and wait there's more dude you get free shipping too man where do you go again because this is this is insane you got to go to adamandeve.com, dude. And you got to let them know that we're the ones who sent you, you know? You got to find that promo box at checkout and type in no filler, all one word. And that's what I'm talking about, dude. Limited time only. Adamandeve.com. Promo code no filler. Let's get to spicing it up in the bedroom, dude. So, cute. do you think if... You know, plenty of people are probably listening to Bill Withers right now. Remembering the man honoring him and we're over here using his his name and his music to sell some sex toys now i think he would perhaps be honored by that i think so i hope he you know that we can only hope and and let's just let's just assume that he's okay with that all right q back to lord back to songs about uh people in in psych wards and lost loves that's kind of a 180 but that's a 180 dude nothing spicy about that Nothing. So we got one more song. We got one more great tune here. We're playing Garden, right? Yes. Let's do this. I won't be taken 
like the harmonies in that one. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, you get you get a lot of different things out of Pearl Jam that you don't get with a Nirvana or even, you know, an Alice in Chains, right? And that's the fucking point, man. Yeah, there is no, there is no sound, there is no grunge sound, uh, one definitive grunge sound, right? And there shouldn't be. I'm glad that there isn't, you know. Yeah, well, like I like I say, dude, these guys aren't getting together. You know, hey, all right, guys, what what kind of band do you want to be? You guys want to do grunge? I sure, sure. right, exactly. I, it, it was more organic than that. There's no point in in trying to label bands, this, that, or the other. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, the guitar in the beginning, very melodic, very yeah. Almost, uh, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw this out there. I'm gonna see if it sticks on the wall. <laughs> kind of Metallica esque. I did. I've I've had a lot of Metallica moments. Uh, well, that's because you the lighters. <laughs> I, all right, dude. I know. <laughs> I know. I know, dude. I should never say one damn thing about Metallica because I don't no, know no, shit. No. You're fine, but no, uh, like the the lighter side of Metallica. No, yeah, Metallica <laughs> is is known for its its you know acoustic melodic intros that would sometimes yes. or, or even a classical guitar melodic intros that would lead into songs, right? Yes, uh, that's what I'm talking about. Yes, exactly. That that's kind of I got that vibe a little bit. Yeah, um, and. It would be stupid to assume that 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 these guitar players in in Pearl Jam, what are their names? Uh, Stone and Mike. Stone and Mike. I guarantee you, they listened to Metallica when they were growing up. Oh yeah, I put money on that shit. So yeah, um, and the fuck Eddie Valen, oh, Eddie Valen. <laughs> I almost said Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Vedder is from California, so are the the Metallica boys. So. Betcha he was a fan too. There you go, man. Now we're now we're fucking we're connecting all the all the dots are getting connected here. <laughs> um, really good, really good song. I'm not I'm not gonna attempt to figure out what this one's about, dude. Uh, it's about walking, wa- uh, walking. It's about walking with your face. I'll go with my hands bound. I will walk with my face. Blood. I will walk with my shadow flag into your garden, garden of stone. Sounds like maybe singing about someone in the military or something. A garden of stone. A garden of stone could be a, a graveyard. It could be a graveyard. Oh, right? a fucking tombstone. Garden of stone. Yeah. There's a there's a movie came out in '87 called Gardens of Stone. It was actually it was based on a novel. Uh, yeah, it's about a guy who's stationed uh, a war veteran who was stationed as a guard in Arlington National Cemetery instead of an instructor of new recruits during the Vietnam War. So he got he got thrown in to be a guard at a cemetery, at a national cemetery, and he wanted to go uh instruct new recruits during the Vietnam War and he got he got stuck at a at a cemetery. So that's exactly what it's about. Everybody plays a role, you know, in the military. That's true. But yeah, uh Gardner Stone that's about a it's about a funeral. Not a <laughs> it's about a cemetery. Oh, God damn. <laughs> anyway, dude. Yeah, so here's what I like uh, about about Eddie as a as a songwriter. I feel like his his lyrics are so um uh poetic, I guess. They're very they're very he's a he's a storyteller, you know? That's what I appreciate about Pearl Jam, that's what I appreciate about this album. Um and, and that's that's what you get from from Pearl Jam, you know? Yeah. Not that you don't get that from from Nirvana or Smashing Pumpkins or any of the other bands that, that we're going to talk about in this stint of, of 90s rock music. I'm just saying it stands out to me, uh, Eddie Vedder's lyrics, the emotion that he brings to his songwriting. You know, you can feel it. Yeah. I, I can see how this, this made it, this is considered by many one of the best debut albums. Yeah, it's, it's those kind of albums, man. That 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 are full of stories and yeah, symbolism and poetic writing. That's that's the kind of stuff I always am drawn to. Yeah, and it's about you know struggles that people people can relate to. Definitely. All right, dude. That's that. Let's wrap this puppy up. You got a what you heard for me this week, dude? I do. 
I do have a what you heard, and I know nothing about this artist, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to try to figure that out. Can I go first, then, brother? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay, uh, I'll get some some quick deets here. Uh, so I think I mentioned this a couple episodes back when I covered that uh, "Wash Your Hands" song by the uh, Falcons of Fine Dining. I heard that on KEXP, and like I said, they've kind of got on this kick of playing songs that could relate to, you know, all us all having to deal with this new reality. And I tuned in yesterday, and they're about three-quarters of the way through this song by Echo and the Bunnymen, who needs no introduction. Uh, we actually covered these guys as a sidetrack for our Interpol episode. They're that... Kick-ass, you know, new new wave, punk, kind of whatever you want to call them, band. Uh, and yeah, I heard this song on KEXP yesterday. It's a fucking great track. It is an al- uh, a song called Do It Clean. great track no wonder we played that as our sidetrack for interpol because the the bass is just very uh i mean new uh, interpol was very uh very influenced by new wave oh yeah by bands like the cure carlos d yeah echoing the bunny yeah definitely yeah dude just reminding us to do it clean and that's really important right now dude everything you do yeah do it clean so this this radio station is just they're they're any song that has to do with cleanliness yep they're gonna play it. Yeah, it sounds like I've had since, since this whole thing started. I've heard "Don't Stand So Close to Me" on KEXP a billion times. I bet. Yeah, and that, sure. that, that song "Wash Your Hands," and then I heard this one yesterday. Anyways, another shout out to KEXP. <laughs> Every can we get? <laughs> I don't think we can get one. I don't think we can get one month without me mentioning KEXP. Why don't we try to get some sort of deal going on here, Q? All right, I'll reach out to them. I mean, they're a non-profit, right? Yeah. 
Okay. Well, whatever. (laughs) All right, dude, what you been hurting lately? Okay. So don't remember how I stumbled upon this artist, but it was probably just bouncing around on Spotify um, for some shoegaze because it's another shoegaze artist queue. Well, what I like about her, uh, her name, her, her recording name is miserable. She goes by miserable, but her name is Christina Esfandiari. And, uh, she, she's been in other bands before like her and King woman her, but this is her like her W H I R R. Gotcha. But, uh, miserable is her, her solo project. And, um, she put out a record 2018 called lover boy slash dog days. And, uh, the song that I'm going to play, uh, it's called gasoline. kept reaching to to start to fade that out and i just had to keep listening dude mm-hmm. it's great yeah um the whole album is is like that Mo- most of it is actually a little bit more um you know there there was the chorus that had a little bit of uplift to it uh most of the record is a little bit more um i don't want to say depressing but more uh mellow more melancholy sure yeah melancholy 
I'm just having I'm having trouble with the words today, Q. That's all right. Uh, I loved it, dude. I'm definitely yeah, gonna good. give that a listen. Yeah, yeah. She's got uh, she's got a few records out, um, but uh, this is I'm seeing it right now. Her first record is called Halloween Dream. I would think that that's kind of a maybe a play on Tangerine Dream. Mm-hmm. Just a thought. So yeah, I think I found the I found her bouncing around from uh, fans also like on Spotify for Narrowhead, that band that I'm in love with and can't stop listening to. So cool, man. Thanks for sharing, dude. I'm into it. Yeah, yeah, dude. All right, let's wrap this puppy up. All right. I don't know what we're doing for a sidetrack. It's gonna be something, uh, you know, in the same vein as the. Crunchy stuff we've been covering. Well, here's what I'm excited about, Q. After we do our Pearl Jam sidetrack, you remember what we're doing after that? Uh, I don't want to say something and be wrong and bum people out. All right, we're doing no doubt. Yes, Kingdom. Yes, that's what I was. That's what I was hoping you were gonna say. And then we're gonna, after our sidetrack for no doubt, we're gonna do Blink 182 Enema of the State. Yes, and then we're gonna. Now that's when we're changing gears. After that, right? You want to go potentially? I mean, we could stay in the '90s if we wanted to, but that—that that is all we have planned so far. So, well, I have an idea for for what to do post Blink, and I won't I won't talk about spill it. beans. I won't spill beans, but I think it'll be a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, anyways, cool. you know what's funny, man? We what? don't do this enough, but on the same day that this episode comes out, why don't you go and listen to another podcast on the network? the Pantheon Podcast Network, because they're talking about Kurt Cobain. Oh, shit. That's all I see here. Uh, one of our other uh, podcasts on our network is called Rock and Roll Heaven. And uh, I don't even know anything about the host. Shows you how much of a team player I am. But <laughs> they are talking about, they or or the single person is talking about Kurt Cobain. And then they have a Cobain conspiracy theories episode after that. Ooh. Okay, so so that should be out by the time this this Pearl Jam episode is released. Same day. Yeah. So hop on over and listen to the listen to that. Cool. There you go. Musical Rock and Roll Heaven. Rock and Roll Heaven. So awesome. yeah, uh, as we just mentioned there, uh, we are part of a podcast network called Pantheon. It's a Pantheon Music Podcast Network. Uh, you can find us on pantheonpodcast.com. Uh, where you can find dozens of like-minded podcasts that talk about everything music-related. And you can find us on our website, nofiller.com, nofillerpodcast.com, sorry. And uh, you can find all of our previous shows, all of our show notes and track lists for each episode on that website. And you can listen to us wherever else you listen to your podcast. We should be just about everywhere. Um, and yeah, that's that's that. That'll wrap us up. And you know what? We thought we were going to, to close it out, we figured we'd throw a bone to Mr. Ad Dan Former and play a track that he wished we had covered on our Stone Tip of Pilots episode. And I got to say, I, I love this song. I considered playing it, but I didn't. Well, you know what, dude? That's all. That was all on you, brother. Well, <laughs> I ha- I handed you the keys for the STP episode, so you know what I'm washing my I'm, wa- I'm washing yeah. my hands on this one. <laughs> I see, I see what's going on here, throwing me under the bus. That's right, that's fine. But we're gonna play another Stone Temple Pilots track. Holy smokes, man! I thought we were done with them, <laughs> but we're gonna play a song called Meat Plow. It's the first song on Purple. Yes, this one's for you, at the Informer. That's going to close us out today. That'll do it for us. Thank you so much, oh, as always. Did you drop your mic again, dude? No, no, no. Come on fine. now. Don't worry about it. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. My name is Quentin. My name is Travis. Hey, I'll take care.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 